Welcome to Continuing the Conversation. I'm Carl Amuzu. And I'm Glenn Collins. Fost Church is a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we are trying to create space for an expanded dialogue and interactions based on the conversations we're having at Fost Church. Thank you for tuning in to the special edition of the Continuing the Conversation podcast. Over the past few weeks, we have seen the murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and most recently, George Floyd broadcast over social media and the news. These deaths are representative of the type of oppression that black men and women face, not just in the United States, but globally. We felt that in light of these current events, we needed to have a conversation on racism, resistance, self-defense, and a possible way forward if any are to be found. We want to invite Drew Jackson, a friend of mine and pastor of Hope, um, Hope East Village in New York City, uh, to join the conversation. So Drew, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, Glenn, Carl, thanks for having me on, and uh, it's good to be here. But yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, I am as Carl said, I'm a pastor in New York City, uh, in the neighborhood of the East Village, which is in lower, like the lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, we've been there for about. Uh, two years, just over two years is when we officially launched. And um, yeah, it's been been quite a journey uh, in there in New York City, but I'm there with my wife and uh, our two five-year-old twin daughters, uh, just learning to learning to do life in Manhattan. So um, yeah, but like I said, it's good to join this conversation with you all. All right, yeah. And again, man, really appreciate you taking the time to jump in with us, man. Um, so Glenn. Yeah. Even before the murders of George Floyd, Carl and I were talking about the need for this conversation in light of the recent events that transpired in Central Park with Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. A white woman weaponized her privilege to try and harm a black man, Christian Cooper, because she didn't like the fact that he had asked her to put her dog on the leash. The murder of George Floyd the next day in Minneapolis just highlighted how potentially deadly Amy Cooper's actions were. So let, let, let's start there. Uh, whiteness weaponized against blackness um, and the deadly outcomes, man. Drew, do you mind like leading us into like this conversation? I'd just love to hear your thoughts, especially since like this happened in your neck of the woods in New York City, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way you worded it is appropriate. Uh, just the weaponization, right, of, of whiteness against black bodies, right, and how, uh, in a moment where, for whatever reason, Amy Cooper felt threatened, um, she felt, and I think honestly, what it was is she she felt um, she was she was being corrected by a black man because yeah. she was she was <laughs> she was supposed to have her dog on a leash and she was called out for it, um, and that did something in her to where she responded the way she did. And she she knew, right, by by saying by saying to him, you know, I'm gonna call the cops and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me and my dog. She knew exactly what she was doing. Absolutely. Right? She, she knew she knew that um either I think I think on one level, she she wanted she probably wanted to just invoke some kind of fear in him. Because she because she knows about the the reality and the history of of policing against black bodies in America, right? And so she's pulling on that. I think she um, and then for her to actually go through with calling, 
right yeah. and, and and wanting them to show up like in my mind i'm like she there there was a part of her there was a part of her that wanted that wanted what happened in minneapolis to be what happened in central park yeah right? absolutely because because she's when 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 the police department when you see the police department as your um uh the personal your personal army right that you can call on at any moment's notice right to to protect yourself against the scary black man like you know and, and to know that like she wasn't off base yeah in that like she was she was she was right she she was right in that that's been the history that's the story that's the narrative that's the reality um and so yeah i, I just i think that she to say that she knew exactly what she was doing um it wasn't just and i think she said afterwards in her apology like she said something along the lines of those were just words or something about those being words and it's like no like you you knew exactly the power that your words had the yeah. power that your words had as a white woman in central park being threatened and then even just the the history of central park like like there's just so much there you know what i mean so yeah uh, yeah. yeah 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 man and, and, and it's interesting when you like when you brought up the part about words right like you know it just kind of brings home like uh like in the Proverbs where it talks about words with the power of life and death, right? You know what I mean? Like yes. the idea of wisdom literature where where that comes out. And and it's like so so prevalent in, in her even response to it, right? The fa fact that she's like, I'm not a racist, I was just scared. And it's like, no, you're scared because you're a racist. Like that's bottom line. Yeah. Um, mm. But also the way that, you know, truthfully, I, I would say white people and white women are in a sense trained since childhood to, to kind of fear the you know the dark other right like you have that whole damsel in distress kind of motif with the white knight coming to save them from the black knight kind of idea and i think like what we just saw play out there was kind of the, the fairy tales that are that become the kind of mythos that actually begin to play themselves out in reality right like it's, it's creating the, the structure for which she knows how to call the white knight in a sense the police officer to her rescue in in the mix of that yeah yeah, I mean, she, you talked about just like the stories, like the, the messages that she would have heard and would have been received uh, growing up. And I think that's just the reality of like, um, when we talk about whiteness, right? I, I think I think it's, it's always, for me, it's always important to make the distinction that like, when we talk about whiteness, we're not talking about white skin color. We are talking about a, a way of being in the world. We're talking about, mm -hmm. We're talking about a way. Uh, uh, we're, we're talking about a power and a principality, right? We're Absolutely. talking about. We're talking. Uh, you know, Willie Jennings talks about this a lot, right? Just that 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 whiteness has this way of, uh, whatever uh, of of power over something, power over another, of ownership and occupying space, and any space you occupy is your space. Right, and anything that infringes upon that is a threat to you of some sort. And so you have the right to do whatever you need to do to protect what you have laid claim to, right? Um, whether that is in a conversation, whether that is in physical space, right? Whatever it is. And so um, and so I think when we talk about it, it's important to talk about like like to use to use uh, language that we use within within the Christian tradition, whiteness is a form of discipleship. Right, mm. we are 
it's it's something that we are formed in. Um, it's in the air that we breathe, uh, and and unless there is a counterformation to that, that's the way that it. You know what I mean? That's that's the way in which we're formed, and that's why, in a moment, in a moment's notice, right? We 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 could we could talk about this in the language of uh, virtue ethics, right? I think mean, N.T. Wright talks about that all mm-hmm. the time of how like how you respond in a moment is out of your formation. And and so Amy Cooper in a moment, she responded in that way because she was formed according to the laws of whiteness. You yeah. know what I mean? And what's, I think- Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, uh, one of the things that is, I think, jarring for a lot of people is in responding in her whiteness, like one, she had no fear that literal video proof of her doing a fraudulent call meant anything because it came from like literally being filmed doing it and that what i think also jarred a lot of people at least um for like um from my white community is she knew the appropriate language that you would assume um good like she she didn't use derogatory language she used Mm -hmm. pc language say oh well there's an african-american in front of me Mm -hmm. um and it, it's that because you would expect more vulgar language. It was like when I was living in Texas, a friend of mine from Chicago said he likes the South better. He's like, down here, people are honestly angry with me. He said, up north, huh. I can never trust if your smile is hiding venom. Yeah. No, and, that's real. And that's the point that was so, it's like the notion, like when you said discipleship in, like that's a very pointed statement because how well she was trained to be able to name a threat when she's attacking and to use the appropriate language that'd be socially acceptable. So to almost be able to clean blood off your hands where you're saying, well, excuse me, I just need to white out. Yeah. Mm, That's a good point, man. Like um, earlier, before we actually jumped into, to recording this, like Glenn, you had actually brought up the poem by Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. uh, We'll call it the liberal white lady, man. And so just as you, as you're talking and you're sharing that, like even like she knew the language of, of, the white liberal lady yeah you know what i mean like she was able to articulate herself very very clearly actually and kind of perform the drama that was necessary for her to cut like if it wasn't being videoed everybody would have been like yeah this guy must have been trying to kill her like literally mm-hmm. you yep. know what i mean and and she knew the drama she knew the she knew her part to play so well in the mix of that that's that's the part to me that was just crazy yeah right like she was just able at a drop of a dime she just flipped it on like she started screaming and like oh hurry hurry you know the whole nine and it's crazy she changed her whole tone of voice yeah. like the whole thing and, and like you said it was a it was a performance it was a performance yeah. of whiteness which she knew and she just flipped into it. i think that's the thing that like i've been sitting with is that like i said it was it was her it was her sort of first response mm-hmm. yeah um and she didn't have to think about it at all um yeah. I, I just yeah. i just think that that is I don't want that to be lost on people that, um, yeah, we, we, we respond out of the ways we've been formed. And so unless we're intentional about a different sort of formation, like, then saying, you know, just saying like, oh, I'm not a racist is not, that's not enough. It's not about, it's about understanding the, the, the society and the system in which you've been formed and shaped. And unless there has been something counter to that, then like there has to be a humility to say that like, oh, I I have I have been formed in that way too. Probably very like 
and me being even unaware of it. Mm. Like mm-hmm. there's just a there's just a, a formation that happens that we need to begin to pay attention to. Yeah, definitely. And that that part where I actually believed her apology. I actually believed her apology when she said, "I'm not, I'm not a racist." Like she yeah, doesn't she, believe she's a racist. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think part of that's driven by the notion of liberal white guilt. Says that the white the white oppressor now to be need to be the white rescuer. And if mm-hmm. we don't value other people's voices, we can't value other people's lives. And so you have the same people telling the story. They just change to polite language. Say, don't worry, I got you. I will fix this for you. I don't have to hear your experience. Yeah. And so we can still become just as insulated while believing we're woke, while believing we care that we listen because the people talking about the progressiveness still look just like me. Mm. Mm. That's good. Mm. We'll call it, I want to I want to kind of push this along a little bit, like just to kind of to kind of dive um, a little bit deeper into like this whole systemic narrative piece. Um, like I think like the one thing that, that made the Amy Cooper thing stand out so to me so much um, was that like right literally the next day um, we have the murder of George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. So we see the consequences of of what could have happened to Christian Cooper um, yeah. had had the the police actually responded, right? Like, and and so. You know, this is something that, that that happens again and again and again to, to black bodies. Um, but you know, like, and, I, and it's interesting. Like, like just a side note, real fast. But it's interesting that that um, Amy Cooper, she's she's Canadian, right? And she knows the narrative of whiteness in that sense. And so, it's not just an American problem, but we see it played out over and over again on the American stage, at least. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so with the murder of George Floyd happening in Minneapolis the next day, uh, like just the the, the raw. The raw emotions and the raw response that that has come from uh, people in 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 the oppressed community in the in the black community watching another black body you know being destroyed by by whiteness. Um, could we pull back to one thing you just said? Sure. Uh, her being Canadian is I know living up here since I'm from the states is what's always said here is we're not harming black bodies because we're not them. They'll point to some event in the states. And they haven't been to Toronto. Mm. Yeah. Um, and to have someone to see that the idea of whiteness is a cultural phenomenon that you may be more polite about it up here. But, um, well, as Drew said, it's a way of being in the world mm-hmm. that her concept of whiteness didn't have to change at all from Canada to the States, but she gets to feel better because rather than seeing that she still has this operating system of whiteness, she can point to someone else who she believes is less evolved. And so she doesn't even have to face herself. She's like, well, I'm not the worst white person. Um, those people down across the border, they're the real bad ones. So I'm good. Even if she still weaponizes our police force in the same manner. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Drew? I mean, mm-mm. I just think that, that just that idea that like, whiteness white supremacy anti-blackness is a global phenomenon right um white to to center all things white as normal uh and then everything else outside of that is other i mean that that goes into so many different categories um from the theology that we take in right to the to music to whatever whatever you you know whatever area you want to go into but um 
it's a global it's a global phenomenon and um so yeah i just i just think that like like you said it doesn't it doesn't matter that she's canadian in that regard mm-hmm. right like she was still formed in the same in the same way i think that like um right the american flavor of of whiteness and white supremacy uh is I, and I don't even I don't even know that I want to say this because it's it's just this is also globally true. But I think modern day the expression of it is true in America to a, to a high extent. But the the violence that is coupled with whiteness, I think, um, and that's I mean so much of that has has to do with has to do with our history. But, you know, but then again, you think about the history of the world and the history of, you know, colonization and all of it, all of it was by, you know, the tip of the sword and the barrel of the gun, right? Mm-hmm. Most often with, you know, a Bible in one hand and the sword in the other, right? It's mm-hmm. like, uh, so I just, yeah, I, I think it, that's something to wrestle, that's something to wrestle deeply with uh, is this global reality of, of being anti-Black. Right and uh, how and how how so much so many of us are conditioned in that and I would say like even uh, even even the way that that like as black people right the way the ways that whiteness tries to affect black people right in that regard to to make us want to hate ourselves in that in mm. that sense and that 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 is a form and a manifestation of white supremacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To to make black people hate their black bodies, right? So, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, we'll call it. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Willie Coleman. Uh, he, he's a he's a black theo- uh, theologian. Um, I was introduced to him uh, when I when I was at Fuller, but um, he has this one statement, and I'm I'm, I'm just gonna paraphrase it, but he's like like um, liberation um, isn't the idea that the oppressed. Um, are, are just liberated, right? But the oppressor are also liberated. Like that's that's yeah. the, the notion of true liberation. And so yeah. like when we see this system of white supremacy, um, like we, had, we were having a conversation the other day, uh, Glenn and I, and we talked about like the erasing of, of cultural identity. And so blackness is an erasing of the African identities um, of, of black people. And whiteness is actually the erasing of the, 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 Euro, you know, the European identities of white people in order to, in order to create a system um, that can actually subjugate and and uh, oppress one group over another in a sense, right? Like so, creating whiteness and blackness is is the way that like white supremacy works, like as 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 a system. Um, and so, in order for us to find liberation from from white supremacy, both white like whiteness and blackness actually need to find that liberation. They need to to be liberated from the roles that they play in that in that tragic drama, right? Mm. Well, and I'd say just being. Um raised uh within the notion of of whiteness as defining self is the perniciousness of the tale is it's a it's a global identity when we want to talk about virtue but mm. we also are able to pacify ourselves by just point then we make it locative because it's the south that's truly um racist it's, it's not us like i was mm. from california so we're all good in california it, it's texas or alabama that's that's where it's crazy um yeah. And we make locative concepts when yeah. it makes sure to alleviate our region and our systems. So even though the town I was raised in, um, 
people joked they joked because it actually happened running out two black families from the community like harassing them until they moved and the only mm. thing that happened from the um, progressive liberal white voices is they were silently upset and spoke amongst each other but they mm. didn't upset the whole conversation they didn't put their convictions to test by stepping in front of other white bodies to say you cannot harm the black bodies um, mm. they just allowed a form of outrage but as soon as that moment passed it was forgotten and then we once more were the good whiteness to where the true bad whiteness was any whiteness other than our locative and that's the only time we talked locatively otherwise it was a general good against all other let me let me, let me uh, just uh, jump in on that like when you talked about like the, the they expressed a, a general outrage you know in, in the conversation mm -hmm. amongst themselves and I think what we see happening now in light of what has happened to like all like just these broadcasting of these different murders that have happened um, is we see this collective outrage by white people on social media mm -hmm. right like as it um, and, and I, I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts especially like you drew um, on like that response to to what is happening to the to the to the tragedy and the trauma um, that is being inflicted on on the black community and the response uh, of the kind of like social media outrage idea, I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that, man. Oh man, um, there's a lot. I mean, let me let me go back to something you said, Carl, about just talking about free like liberation for the oppressed and the oppressor. I mean, I think it links into this as well, but it. It made me think of um, Mary's Magnificat, and how, and, and how when Mary when Mary says, um, Mary says that he has he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate, right? That that like a statement like that, is a statement about salvation. Yeah, is a statement about liberation. But that, like, for those for for those who are in positions of power, for those who are oppressors, to be brought low is salvation, mm -hmm. and for those who have who have been underfoot to be raised up is salvation. Mm -hmm. But only, but it's it's generally that that only sounds like good news to one of those. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, and so I think that, mm -hmm. like, even in this conversation, um, when we talk about what what does it mean for for uh, for whiteness. You know, to for even to use the phrase, I think Willie Jennings used this in his lectures at Fuller, like for white people to be saved from whiteness, right? <laughs> that there's actually that there's actually a a bringing down low that is necessary. That wow. that yeah. that is salvation. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, but but I think like when we when you talk about like the social media outrage, I it, uh, like with all of this, like I think that is part of it where. Um, I think it's funny. You see the outrage, and then people are asking the question, "What do we do? What do we do? You know, what do we do about this?" And it's always the same question every time, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like part, like part of that is there's this I, in, in the circles that I've been in, like there's this deep frustration within like the black community at that question because it's like. Yo, we have been talking about this for a long time and no one has listened. Like why like why like why is no one listening? Like and, and so um so when I see when I see the outrage uh, at this thing, I think there's this twofold reality and I was just reading about this in um a book by Henry Louis Gates, mm. where he he talks um 
called Stony the Road, and he's talking about just the you know reconstruction and the rise of Jim Crow and all that. But one of the things he talked about, he talks about in that book, is how um, particularly with those who would parallel today to like liberal progressive white folks who were anti-slavery, like, and they were like, yeah, we should end slavery, we should. But he said to be anti-slavery doesn't mean that they were pl- pro-black. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, when it came to the question of what does it mean for, for black people to flourish here in America, what does it mean for black people to actually be, you know, regarded as equal under the law? Like that was going too far. There was no there was no desire to actually build for the welfare of black people. It was all OK, we can end this system. We can have outrage against the system but we're not actually going to be about really building up black life because that actually means that it's going to cost us something. That actually means that the, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just curious with what you said there, um, outrage against that system. It's just, when I read some of that time period, I'm curious, were they outraged against the system or outrage that they didn't have the ability to profit the same way the other part of the system did? Because they still wanted to subjugate. They still wanted the power position. It's just, they didn't want you to be able to say, that you got work at the cost of somebody else's life and we don't up north. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and, and yeah, so I mean, even I guess the language of outrage against the system is not really fully correct language because I think that proper, like an actual outrage against the system would, would it, it would mean you would have to recognize that from the beginning, the system was set up a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I just, I literally just wrote about this this morning, but just how like America, America is is working as it was supposed to, you know, it was, it was set out to work this way. It was designed to do what it's doing. And so it's not that like, oh, we have a broken system. We have a broken thing. It's like, no, this is actually functioning very well. And so until we dismantle this thing and rebuild something new, that actually when it, when we, when we say something like liberty and justice for all, it actually means it and codifies that and, and builds for that. Like there's not the system, the system was set up as it is to protect whiteness. And so when I, and so when I see the outrage on social media railing against things like this, there's still, it's still like, there's still no dealing with the fact that like this whole society is set up to protect whiteness and white bodies. Yeah. And until we do something about that, this thing that we're seeing is just going to keep manifesting itself in different forms. No, absolutely. There's there's no dissolving of white, like well, white, you know, whiteness. There's a dismantling of white of whiteness. Like it has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just fade away. Well, then we have to talk about the another issue for the sake that within America, whiteness was created because it was originally made to um, protect the elite and the landholders. Once yes. the landholders got threatened by other groups saying, wait, we're all poor and abused. They created a whiteness to militarize the poor white against. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's always been a economic system guaranteeing power stays in a position. Yeah. Which is why a redistribution of wealth, um, raising standards of living by talking about actual tangible ways to improve life is such a threat to the system itself. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It makes that makes me think about um the jubilee year and mm-hmm. why like even the reasons for 
that being written into like Israel's law, right? Just that, and just that whole idea of like slaves being set free, land being returned to original ownership, all debts being forgiven, like, and, and just this whole idea of like, it was in the heart of God to say that in the formation of society, there should never be a permanent underclass of citizens. Mm. Like there has to be a constant reordering because, and, and, and I think that, that there's something to say about the like, God's knowing of, of of the human heart in that regard, mm-hmm. and that there has to actually be a restructuring of things to to because because there's this way that we have of of once we get power, hoarding it and lording it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And unless that is accounted for, um, it's going to continue to just do what it does, and um, and I think there's there's to my knowledge, right, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but to my knowledge, I think that there's, it's, it's interesting to me that there's no, there's no record of Jubilee ever have, like, being kept. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so when we, when we talk about, like, <laughs> reordering and dismantling and all of that, it's like, oh, that's at, that's at the core of God's heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and even when we talk about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, when Jesus talks about when he invokes the jubilee but then when he also talks about the last being first and the first being last and things being flipped on his head like don't think that that is just some spiritual language you know what i mean that that has to do with the way the way that society is set up and the oppressors continually being on Mm -hmm. top of those underneath their foot and how in the kingdom that's 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 there's a reversal that happens so absolutely um like when I when I hear that, like for me, like you know, especially as a follower of Christ, um, like I'm like, oh man, that sounds that sounds amazing. Like how do like you know how do we invoke that? How do we step into that? Um, but there's also a part of me then, as 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 a black man, that that feels that that it falls short of addressing our reality in this moment. You know, like mm-hmm. there's this this sense that how do I put it? Like it, it kind of goes into the you know you know the by and by kind of language like it, it'll happen one day you know you know yeah. one day it'll happen but right now yeah. um but right now real, the reality is that black bodies are being brutalized um that the economic system that's in place um tramples those that are that are in its midst it grinds them up and spits them out um yeah. and so when we talk about the kingdom of god being turned up upside you know turning things upside down and and, and finding liberation and all those different things um to me it, it feels so almost unrealistic for us to, 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 to enter into that. And I know like I was having a conversation or an, like an engagement with uh, another brother over social media that, that, that uh, where he had, he just had, he just to kind of put out, put out some thoughts around how he thinks black people need to respond in this moment um, around maybe forming uh, like well-armed militias and that kind of stuff. And, um, and then as, as we kind of continued that conversation, his, his he was just saying that like like the demonstrations the marching all that kind of stuff the protests it doesn't work so maybe if we have guns they'll respect that and and i keep on seeing this this way forward the kind of the secular process of like the, the notion of protest moving towards like armed resistance in a sense but then still being crushed by power in, in the midst of that and i think the ultimate hope for me like when i hear about like the language you use about the kingdom of god um, it's, a, it's that something like shapes our imagination in a way that it breaks that cycle, right? That, mm-hmm. that like we can actually beat our our swords into plowshares, you, you know what I mean? And our, and our spears yeah, into yeah. pruning hooks. And it's not just metaphorical language. It's like, no, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the idea that, that, that armed militias in the black community to protect ourselves from 
um, police brutality and from you know from from the whole the whole systems of white supremacy, like it wouldn't it wouldn't need to be part of our imagination and I, and like so, so there's a hope that I have in there, but for me there's also it feels like a naive hope at, at, at times as well. So I, I'll just love to hear like you guys' thoughts on, well, on that. Well, even with what you said, comparing it to the rise of Christ, is um, what we've seen throughout history is unfortunately the oppressed, the marginalized, and the vulnerable witnessing to a new way because I even hate the language of upside down because in my head the way I've always seen that play out the way I've always heard it is like okay my foot will be on the back of your neck now yeah um, yeah 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 which and, is not what that means oh not at all <laughs> but that's just what always flashes because I hear people like oh no, it's, no good. it's gonna yeah, be different it'll be that. upside down um, yeah but yeah. it's that they have the oppressed group unfortunately always seems to have to take the risk you see it in Christ when he gets killed you you see it in every time like Martin Luther King Jr. getting assassinated. Anytime someone comes up and says there can be a different way, I will walk in peace. It's the one thing power can't have because yeah, right now if people rise up in arms, one, it shows the hypocrisy because when white protesters went with M16s to stand on and say we're taking over the government, everyone's like, Yeah, freedom of speech and second amendment. Um yeah. as soon as soon as these protests and let's just be naively optimistic and say all the videos of white people smashing things in the middle of the protest were part of the protest and not instigators who want to destroy things because they're mm -hmm. dumb. Um, and just say it got a little rowdy, but that's exactly what we've always said is supposed to be the threat to the government. That is literally our social narrative in the States that if we are oppressed and abused and not seen by power, we will make power see us up yeah. until it's not my part of the power. Yeah. And that's where, um, at least my hope, because all three of us work in churches, would be a, that some way our churches can be more tangibly different, that um, less tokenism, more actual dialogue, um, express a faith in the other person's voice to understand their experience. So we stop trying to say to anybody who doesn't have my experience, prove it. And actually say, I will trust your lived experience. How can I stand with you? Yeah. Because mm. that's where I think, at least coming from some of the white Christianity I do, that was the test. They always say, oh, no, we'll stand with you. But can you show me the stripes across your back? If you can't, it's mm. not real. And you have to, um, black bodies have to go through litmus tests of proof to where any other group does not. If we just have faith in each other's voice to say, you've experienced trauma and pain. I'll walk in that pain with you. Mm. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult part of the conversation for me too, Carl. Like, I, like well, what you guys are saying and Carl, what you brought up too, just about like the, the just this reality of like, what's, what, what about right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and um and you know i and here, here's the thing it's like i am i'm a follower of jesus and I, I i i firmly believe that the kingdom of god is is right now and it's coming at the same time right yeah and that and to say to say that and to declare that and to declare that jesus is lord um not only in word but in deed you know what i mean mm -hmm. like uh it has to it has to look like something. So, so the proclamation that uh, that the the kingdom is here is a it, it is a thoroughly political statement. Mm -hmm. You know, it is 
it is a it's a statement that means that there's there's a there has to be a clash with the current order yeah you know um i think the the rub is always that like jesus it, i i've i've had this conversation many times right but like when um like if you if you track with the ministry of jesus you see that jesus always has challenge he always is pushing back and challenging those who are in power or in proximity to power right whether that be you know the religious leaders who are you know in step with rome who are in step with you know um herod and herod's folks like there's this there's this pushing against that and this challenging against that um but there's not like Jesus doesn't actually if you if you if you read it Jesus never he never has a challenge for the revolutionaries who are um who want liberation mm-hmm. he only he challenges them in the sense of let let us think deeply about our way forward about the way not not so much about the desire for liberation mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um so so when I say that, I mean he'll challenge he will challenge he will challenge Peter and say, Look, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Right? Yeah. But your but but the desire, like what's there uh, to rise up against the current state of things, like that Je- like Jesus isn't against that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus that's not something that Jesus says, All right, hold on, hold on, let's just let's just be nice, everybody. Like, no, like there's but but I, I think that there's a so when I see when I see that in Jesus, when I see um even even the whole the whole scene where Jesus feeds the five thousand, right? And um they like the the people that he was with, like those those weren't those were those weren't just like they, they were those were people who who wanted freedom. Those were yeah. those were the people shouting Hosanna, save us, liberate us, give us success. You know what I mean? And and when they wanted to overtake Jesus and make him their king, you know what I mean? Like in John six, like after he does that, even Jesus, like even like I I I honestly believe that when we talk about the ways that Jesus was tempted, like I believe that Jesus was tempted in that moment to want to go that way. Yeah, and that him stealing away to a high mountain to be away alone was like he he need he needed to be like okay, Father, what is your way? Because this is real appealing right now. Like it's really appealing to want to you know what I mean. And so so this constant conversation around imagining and reimagining um, this way this what is this way forward? What does liberation look like? I think. It, it's 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 a must. It's a necessary part of what it means for us to be disciples of Jesus and, and to be the church. Um, so it's not the question of liberation, but it's the what does this look like right here, yeah. right now? And and um, but I think that having a crucified Savior means something. Yeah. Like it ha- like uh, and that when you see what Jesus was doing in his not return, like not returning evil for evil, not wanting to give back the violence that was given to him. It wasn't just like kind Jesus. 
it was it was strategic Jesus. It was the it was it was what I see in you know and and, and I know like I know this has been a, a point of tension right with with Jesus with with the Jesus way with even someone like Dr. King employing this like even just the whole tension in the civil rights movement around that like but when I see even in the beginning of the civil rights movement where after um doc after Dr. King's house got bombed in Montgomery right and there were thousands of black folks from the city outside of his house with with the weapons yeah. ready ready to go to war right um there were three right, white reporters in the house and dr king steps out on his front porch that is half blown away his family's inside right he comes out on the porch and when he tells them put down your weapons his him doing that is 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 he he was actually doing that because he his whole point was like if if we decide like what they want us to do is they want us to start shooting shots because because they they know if we start shooting shots that that it's it's game on you know what i mean mm -hmm. but but the work that and he and he actually ta actually talks about this the work that we started in montgomery if we like if we go that way then everything that we that we've been building for is going to fall apart and so it was later that year, right? It was it was later that year when you see when you see the the bus boycott begin to roll out, and when you see Rosa, and when you see all of that. But like, I think there's something to say about having having that long view in mind when it comes to the work of justice. Yeah, and and that it's not it like there there is justice. There is no quick solution when it comes to justice, and. Um, and so I don't know, man. Like I, I struggle with it. I have tension with it. I think it's the. I think it is the tension that comes with being people of the cross. Like I don't. I don't know that we get around it. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So. Yeah. Like that's that's what, like what what I what I hear when I hear the call to take up your cross. That's what I hear. Right. Um, I have a question for you then, since both of you yeah. um, are expressing this angst of seeing. Well, since the civil rights movement, we haven't went quite as far forward as we like to pretend. Um, we still have the same bodies being harmed and some of that disparity bringing angst. Do you see hope in any of this? Because um, you said Peter was critiqued for pulling the sword, but not for his energy to drive for liberation. Mm -hmm. So right now in some of the movements, do you, do you see something that gives hope? Or is it just a little bit to what do you think, Carl? <laughs> man, um, honestly, honestly, man, like I've been trying to rack my head around the notion of, of finding hope in the midst of this. And I'll be honest with you. Um, like at this moment, I feel fairly hopeless about this. Like there's a part of me that as a follower of Christ, like I, I do believe that as Drew said, like, like, you know, um, we are followers of the crucified one, right? Like, like, and and that there's there like the 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 crucifixion always to me is always it always points to resurrection. And so, as yeah. much as as right now, I think we're in the witness and in the throes of, of of seeing kind of crucifixion play itself out again and again and again. The hope for me still is that resurrection is always the follow up, right? That that uh, 
that God can't sit by and allow the crucifixion in a sense to happen without the vindication that comes with the resurrection. And I think that these black bodies, that black people, that that, that oppressed people, you know, wherever we find them, um, we will see that ultimate vindic vindic vindication um, in, in, in the idea of resurrection. And I'm not talking about like, you know, again, like, like when we get to heaven or something like that, I mean, in a very physical, tangible, like the kingdom of God is here, as Drew was saying, you know, you know what I mean? That we will see that breaking forth in such a way that we do see vindication. And so like there's, there's like from, from the, my, the theological, like the, the framework, the things that have formed me, it doesn't allow me to give up hope, but at the same time, like there's a part of me that feels super hopeless. Like, and it's, it's a tension right now that's, it, that's mm -hmm. in me. And it's like, you know, I, I can't think, I can't help but think of like, you know, like the father in Mark nine, where it's like, I believe help my unbelief. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. believe in resurrection, but help my unbelief right now. Yeah. No, I feel that like, I feel it. Um, I guess there's a part of me that, you know, I I think a lot about what what the Apostle Paul said when he talks about how he says we, and he's talking about the the people of God, right? This is a we, like we are those on whom the ends of the ages have met, right? Mm. Meaning, right, we we stand at that the hinge point between the 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 new the new order that is being ushered in and the old order that is passing away. Like we stand at that point, and so um, when you stand at that point, when you are people who live on the wall, right? Like it's it's like you have to expect to 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 feel to feel the the full force of the old order. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. feel like, and, and it shouldn't be a surprise. You know what I mean? Like it should it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but I think it's like the struggle the struggle is right having 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 uh an eye having both an eye in the old in the old world and the eye on the new right like like what is what is to come like and, and when i and you know when i talk about that it's not i'm not just talking like you said earlier like a sweet by and by but like an actual tangible like heaven meeting earth kind of you know the, the 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 new Jerusalem coming down and meeting and heaven and earth becoming one sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like what? And, and to and, and I think for me it's not so much like I think that there's a that there are days where I am just like man this is this sucks. Yeah. Like everything just and uh, and then there are days where I'm just like who like who I am, who I am called to be, who we are called to be, it's just like, man, we're called to be a different sort of human. And like, like uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't just play by the rules of this thing over here where, where power dominates, where, where, where violence is continuing to be the way, you know what I mean? Where, where there is, where there is constant um, injustice and oppression and, the cycle continues, 
right? Like, so what does it mean? Like, and so I asked myself, like, what does it mean to be a different sort of person? What does it mean for us to be a different sort of people? Yeah. Um, not just in our, in the way that we go about things, but in the ways that we, in the ways that we are seeing, be, uh, the ways that we see one another in that, like, when we talk about salvation, we talk about liberation, we're not talking about an individual project. We're talking about a whole corporate reality. We're talking about, you know, um, Fannie Lou Hamer, I ain't free unless we all free sort of reality that like when Jesus talks about salvation, it is this corporate cosmic thing. And um, do I have hope that I had like, to me, I've got to. It's hard, like, I, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I live in that place every day, but I don't know how I, I don't know how to go forward without it. Like, I don't, it's the only, it's the only thing for me that keeps, keeps me wanting to keep going, yeah. like to keep, to keep doing this thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I see it. And I think part of it is like, how do we have the eyes to see the glimpses of the inbreaking? Mm. I think we have to actually have have eyes to see, you know, the glimpses into it. And you, you know, when like I I love that that uh, that scene where Jesus rejoices when his, when his disciples start to get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's just like, "Thank you for revealing this." to to those like like not everybody sees but thank you for revealing this to the you know what i mean yeah. and it's like what are those moments of of rejoicing where we can look and see the glimpses of things that are breaking in and, and possible transformation and those small nuggets of resurrection that are then for us just the the fruits of what is to come you know yeah. what i mean so I don't know, man. It's a daily thing. Well, that's actually um, more to the point is like, thank you guys for sharing. Um, not only your uh, theological, like how you see, understand God to be present and with the suffering, but also the fact that your faith promises a hope. But that notion of inbreaking is what I was curious about. It's like, can you name a place that you can see hope in some of this movement? Or is it so bleak right now that uh, hope needs to be a little bit more ethereal like do you see some sparks of hope in these communities moving and people rallying in the call um that these systemic systems that just want to consume human life um need to break or mm. is right now the fact that it's been so consistently a machine fed by black bodies because, yeah, you guys say there's cycles. I've heard you both use that, the cycles of these violence. But it's been pretty one direction in the cycle for American history. Um, it's, yeah. been, it's been one group being fed to the machine to keep it running as a cost of doing business. Yeah. So can you name that inbreaking now, or is it just still a little bit um, raw in this moment? Mm. I think... Um... Like, like I, I, I had the privilege to be able to chat with you the other day on the phone and we kind of talked about the idea of um, like right now in, in the midst of everything that's happening in the midst of the protests in the midst of all these different things like there's 
is a failure to be able to name the end game. Like, like what do we actually want to see happen? Um, and I think for me, at least, I think that failure to be able to name the end game, like what do we like outside of just like, you know, an abstract saying like we just we just want freedom or we want liberation or we want, mm -hmm. you know, the ending of just the brutalization of black bodies like those are those like those are great things, but they're but they don't but they but unless they're connected to something tangible like, like how do we actually take steps to that how do mm -hmm. we actually move towards that and so i think i find i like the place that i find hope where even though this is really really raw i find hope in the fact that people are beginning to sit down and say okay like you know um what are the things that need to happen so that we can find liberation you know for our for our people that we can actually find it's it's not just a re, it's not just responsive anymore it's not just like we're not just reacting to the violence but we're actually being proactive and saying what kind of future do we want for our people and I think mm. that's the place mm. where I find hope is that in the midst of all the brutality, like there are people that are saying like, okay, like, you know, um, it's almost, it's, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I've been, this is just a phrasing that I've been kind of sitting with over the last few days. It's like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, and, and the civil rights movement, they would march and they would sing like, we shall not be overcome. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, and like the tension right now, is like, it's like, cool. Like we've been, we, we have been being overcome, but like, you know, we're gonna, we're, we're about to overthrow. <laughs> Um, and sitting, sitting, sitting with that, that, that tension and saying, okay, like, but the conversation, especially as a follower of Christ, like I'm, I'm a pacifist. Like, I just don't believe that we, that we return evil with evil, that we return violence with violence. And so like the words of we shall, like we shall overcome are beginning to feel tangible in the midst of people sitting down to have the conversation and saying, this is what it actually looks like then. This is, this is the end game that we, that we need to see happen for our people. And I don't think it's articulated super clear right now, but I have hope like the hope comes from the fact that we're having that conversation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, and I guess I certainly, I'll just speak for not even historic. I'm not, not speak historically. I'll speak from a standpoint of like my own, my own life and what I've seen through, you know, throughout the course of it, but just like, I think there is a slow increase of people who are not just black people who are who are starting to care about justice. Mm. Who are starting to who are starting to see and I, it's not the overwhelming majority um but there are there are sparks and um and so like you know i think that there's something there's something to that like when you i mean i keep i keep bringing it back to the text because there's I just like as I'm talking I keep seeing these parallels but even as I think even as I think about like and, and I know it's it's a little bit different because both right like because Paul you know Paul was a Jewish man but Paul being a Hellenized Jew Paul being one who who did walk around with a certain level of privilege um, and him being able to name that, knowing that, you know, Philippians, he, he names it, <laughs> Philippians 3. But for him to begin to see, 
and to link up with a Peter. And for that, and for them, even though they were doing their separate thing, to be moving in the same direction, right? To me, like, and when you see a coalition like that build, right? Um, that's that's the that's the Pentecost type stuff, yeah. right? And and I think that you know, the more and more we can we're, we can see that happen, where. Um, there begins to there there begins to be a collective ownership of the work mm. of justice, and you know, and, and I think by particularly particularly by 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 white people, right, who begin to own this not as like this is black people's problem, right, that black people have to deal with. But like the only honestly, yo, like <laughs> I don't even know. Like white white people need to dismantle white supremacy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, and so and so I think that that like the more that we're seeing, um, the more that we're seeing some ownership around that, and it's slow, but I do think that there is some of that happening. Um, those are the glimpses. Those are the glimpses, and so, and 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 then it's like, what is, what's the what's the generation that's coming after us? You know what I mean? What's what's happening there? What are the glimpses that we're seeing there? Are we are we are we looking, right? Uh, what are the conversations that are happening? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, nice. That's that's where I'm at. That's I, where I'm at. I liked your use of the text there, just because um, from my experience, I'd come into it differently um and forgive the really poor power structures for how peter comes into a centurion's house since it's not going to work well that direction <laughs> but um my my prayer for the white church is honestly so often um like you said we have to dismantle white supremacy not we have to be the rescuer for the black body because the system mm. is what destroys and that moment of, like you said, with the Pentecost moment that happens again with Peter going into his house, assuming he's bringing God with him, assuming mm -hmm. that Jesus will be revealed in his act of showing up, and God only brought him there to show him God was already present with the people you thought could not be, that the, yeah. the other is actually a place of revelation of God, and that mm -hmm. for the white church, we would have that kind of Peter moment, being able to hear black voices and experience and witness a very tangible act of God speaking through rather than mm. thinking um, our job is to go fix blackness as opposed to break the systems of whiteness and then mm. get to witness the beauty in the other that we couldn't be. Mm. That's good. That is good. All right. Well, we'll call it a, um, like normally we, we divide our conversation up around the idea of head, heart and hands. Um, and like head being kind of more the conceptual stuff. And I think we've camped there for the last while in, 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 in the conceptual stuff. We did, we did. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to transition um, to, to the hands section, which is more reflective. And, 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 and to kind of jump into that, um, I want to play a short video clip um, of, of a young man uh, named uh, Kedron or Kedon, I believe, uh, Byron. And uh, 
just a song that him and his, his mother wrote and that he sang and then another guy remixed it on the internet a, guy, a producer named Dem Joints and so um, I just want to play that and then just kind of allow um, some things to respond to that like, like some space to respond to that and then kind of move into how does this all play out in the midst of our, our of our actual stories like how do we begin to actually not just talk about it in a conceptual like you know, we're talking about white supremacy and whiteness and all these different things as kind of high level ideas, but actually bring it into like, what do we uh, sitting around the table? How does it impact our story? How has it impacted our story? And then we can move into the hands part of what, like, what do we, like, like, how do we move forward in the midst of this? And so I'm just going to play that video clip real fast and then uh, we can jump, we can jump back. I'm a young black man. So, dude, man, like since it's your first time watching that 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 clip, man, I'd love to just hear your like raw impressions, man. Like, how does that hit you? How does that land with you, man? Wow. Um. Yeah, I think the the line, the line that that was hitting me. Hey, I just want to live. I just want to live, and. To hear, to hear, to hear a boy, you know, you just think, you just think of all the, the black boys yeah. that have been, have, have not been able to live. You know, Tamir Rice, thinking of Tamir Rice and Trayvon. Yeah. Thinking of Emmett Till. Right? Like and it just goes on. I think of my own story, you know, of how close I was, my brother and I were to having that same story and being uh, was about 10 years old and um, we were playing hide and seek, some form of hide and seek, something on the street with uh, some other friends, some other white friends running around at night and my brother and I were chasing one of our one of our white friends trying to catch him. 
his neighbor comes out of the house. And we didn't know this at the time, but when he came out, I had a gun behind his back, right? And he, you know, is everything okay? A citizen policing the situation. Is everything okay? The gun behind his back. And, uh, you know, the, the boy responds, yeah, everything is fine. And this guy walks away, goes back inside. This kid turns to us. Then he tells us, he was like, yo, he had a gun behind his back. And it's just like, we like, it's like, we just want to be able to play. You know what I mean? To live, to be able to, without, without being perceived as threat or criminal. Um, and how old were you in that story? Ten. So two ten-year-old boys were perceived as enough of a threat to come out. I mean, my brother was eleven, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, no, we'll call it. Even even now, like when I watch that 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 video, like I'm not gonna lie, like when I get when it gets to the end, where it's like I just want to live, like you know, God, like God protect me. Um, you know, I start to tear up when I see that part of the video, man. Like, yeah. and I, m- I remember when I first saw it, uh, was it, it would have been yesterday, like yesterday morning when I first saw it, um, and just like like I can't help but picture my my nephews singing that 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 those lines. You know what I mean? Like they're just young 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 kids, man. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know, already my, my nephew who lives in Tacoma has already faced, you know, police harassment and, and being harassed by, by, by white, like systems of whiteness. Um, you know, he's six foot, he's six foot four, you know what I mean? He's a big kid. And, yeah. um, but, but just because of his skin color, man, he's like, he can't be a kid. He's a, he's a threat. And he's yeah. seen, he's seen that way. And, and, you know, like my own story growing up in, in, in Vancouver, you know, in, in Metro Vancouver area, I can't even count how many times I've I've had police draw their weapons on me and, and stop and harass me and 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 beat me up for for the color of my skin. You know you know you know what I mean. It's like so when I, when I, when I hear that 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 cry from 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 the next generation coming up and it's like it's like man like there's there's a part of me that desperately wants to just respond to that video and be like yeah brother we we'll call we got you like we we gonna make it so you can live. Um, yeah. But then there's a part of me that feels a deep sense of shame and despair because like, I'm like, man, I have no idea how to make that happen for you, young man, and, you know? Oh, man. I know yeah. For myself, it's so far removed um, from experience. Um, this, this is the ordered system, and it makes it so blatant why, at least um, for the white church, we can hear Jesus' words without the political because we don't have to. Um, the order, the system worked for us for the most part. Uh, we don't we don't have people stepping out of the house with a gun to just check it's okay because we're playing tag. Um, yeah, I got harassed by a cop once in a while, but that's because I was being an idiot. And at no point was I like, oh no, this is going to be, will I see my folks tonight? It was like, I'm about to get shamed and then I'll be sent on my way to be a kid. Um, 
so just that despairing difference i can almost feel the guttural response of wanting to ask questions like oh um to rationalize it to make it reasonable like why did these things happen rather than just trust the trauma of the story because it's so much not my story mm. Mm. man so called uh that took it that took a super deep all of a sudden you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, it took it took it to. This is just real, man. This yeah. is life. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't just theories and conversations. This is like oh. survival. Yeah. You know, and um, right. but it it, it it is a reason though, right? When we talk about like, when we talk to theory and we talk to theology, like those things aren't disconnected because <laughs> the, you, you know the the theology is what upholds this thing yeah the way you know what i mean like the mm -hmm. so so we got to talk it we got to talk about the things that we are believing and the things that are forming us because you know the, those those things have direct effects on my life yeah. you know our lives the lives of my children mm -hmm. like you know and so I, yeah this is it's it's real it gets it's it gets into the dirt of things yeah man, I feel you man um like when I when I when I when I, See, like, and this is where, like, what, like for me, over the last few days, my my theology, like, like what, like, like my deeply held convictions uh, about following Jesus, have have bumped into like that flesh and blood reality. You know, you know what I mean. And, and you know, like, like, like when I really started, like when I hear, you know, the brother that was, man, like, like his heart for around the notion of, of forming a, a militia to protect. Like, it's not around, like, man, we just need to get gangster with him or something like that. No, like he's, you know, he's like, I got grandbabies out here, um, yeah. and I need to protect them, and it's and it's real, you know, and yeah, and uh, and so you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I I completely understand the response. I I, I understand the response for that, and um. You know, but just that when I when I hear the stories and I and I think about those things and 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 even in my own imagination, um, prior to like you know reorienting my life around Christ, like that's what made sense to me. Like you know you know you know what I mean. Armed resistance, like, of course, why wouldn't we do that? That's yeah. the thing that makes sense. Um, but for, you know, reorienting my life around Christ, like, nah, like um, there's something that that that, that has been transformed in, in in my own imagination, in in the mix of that. Um, but I also can't think. I can't help but think about just the futility of the systems of violence. No matter, no matter, like they, they when they when they play themselves out. Like uh, if you if you know who Bobby Hutton, like you know little Bobby Hutton, you know you know what I mean from the Black Panther Party and um, you know Eldridge Cleaver in the situation where little Bobby Hutton, where he was murdered by the police. You know you know you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, and and that whole situation. So even with guns, even with the whole self defense militia type thing going down, like our our babies are still at risk. Our babies are still um their prey you know in, in the midst of that system yeah. and and so so it's just one of those things that like no matter how i look at it it's like man we we got to figure a different way out that doesn't that doesn't repay violence with violence it doesn't rely on the same imagination of empire mm -hmm. um that allows us to actually find um liberation not 
not just for ourselves, but actually for the whole system. Because if we can't dis- if we can't find the whole, if we can't dismantle the whole system, um, then all of us, like you know, all of us, like are still going to struggle in it. We're still going to get ground up in it, and 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 that's the thing. Like like you know, um, I know I know just different people that I grew up with. Um, you know, when they hear Martin Luther King Jr. and, and you know that I have a dream speech and like you know little black babies and little you know little white babies holding hands and that kind of stuff. Um, and they just, it's like, that's not, like, their minds are like, that's naive. We just, we actually just want little black babies to be okay. You know, you, you know what I mean? First, forget about holding hands. We just want them to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something, you know, I, honestly, if I, if I, if I really want to, if I, when I push into that, um, you, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm bi, I'm multi-ethnic, man. I'm biracial in that sense. And so I'm, I am the product of little black babies and little white babies holding hands in that, mm-hmm. in that sense. <laughs> um, but there's there's something you know that when we actually push into it, like there's something that needs to happen that that when you actually encounter others, when you actually move past the the, the, the artificial boundaries that have been set up for us um, within this system, is like, like I think those are the first steps to actually dismantling it. Like like you, like just tying tying into what you were talking about earlier, where you said like the thing that gives you hope is that slowly more and more and more like more white people are, are seeming to actually care for about justice, actually wanting to move towards justice. Yeah. And as they do so, like they're the ones that have the keys to the system to be able to dismantle white, like 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 you know whiteness in that sense. And um, yeah, so I I don't even know where I'm going with that, but it's just like I, I just was you know like as I'm as I'm processing as as we're sitting here uh-huh. listening to these different stories and and kind of talking through this like just those are the things that are kind of coming to the surface for me man is that I completely understand the 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 the, the response to want to protect yours you know do anything mm-hmm. possible by any means necessary as Malcolm X would say um mm-hmm. but also that the system of violence ultimately it crushes everybody in this path it doesn't matter who's who's inflicting the violence it, it's the yeah. same results at the end of the day and so our, our, our imaginations have to be reformed and reshaped in order yeah. to be able to find another way forward man well and um yeah like you both have said um well drew you said the system is working exactly like it's supposed to um and since you've pulled in the text a few times i, I think that's the point of matthew is you have jesus barabbas next to jesus the christ Jesus the yeah. Barabbas, the famous revolutionary who's going to take Rome by Roman blood. And Jesus the Christ, who two passages before that said, do you not know I have 12,000 angels and I will not call one to spill blood? Yeah. Um, if it works exactly how it's supposed to, if we continue to be the revolutionary, the day, the one who will raise arms, empire will be happy because empire doesn't really care who's on top. It just wants to function on human life. Yeah, yeah, I feel that man. Like, just uh, was it was it uh in um in in in, in ex- is it Exodus or or you know in in the, in the the Torah anyways was Molech or whatever like the god that you know human sacrifice the the whole mm-hmm, yeah. human sacrifice stuff and like as you're talking about that I can't help but like like that's the image that comes to mind yeah. right is that um. It's like mm. we think it's about power dynamics, or we think about you know we think it's about like who gets to win, um, but ultimately like it's just human sacrifice, you know, to the god of Molech in a sense, and that's what the system wants. It doesn't matter yeah. who, it doesn't matter what body. It just happens to it's it's black bodies right now. But I do think mm. it does really matter to be able to name which bodies at the moment. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because, I, I'm not trying to diminish that. I'm just saying yeah. like, but it's it's the it's the notion of sacrifice, like like human sacrifice in the mix of this. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's the thing that, like, as I, as I, 
engage is I engage all of all of this in this conversation and the work and it's like what is it what does it mean to do that as a follower of Jesus I think when I when I think about the notion of even when we talk about something like forgiveness I think the, I think that the in large part the Christian tradition in the West um, has largely misunderstood what that is <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, like when I see when I see forgiveness being displayed in Jesus the crucifixion of Jesus it's it is a refusal it's a refusal to buy into the system of dehumanization mm. it says even even though you will continue to treat me as subhuman I will refuse to do the same I will continue to see you as human and to honor the image of God in you right and that like that alone is this work of forgiveness that's happening right it's this it's this refusal it's this refusal to to treat image bearers of God as less than image bearers of God and um and that's the that's like I mean that is the resistance work if you will right yeah. it's the it's man in a in a in a world and in a system that is designed to dehumanize and to devalue human life particularly human life as is expressed in black bodies mm-hmm. right the image of god in black bodies like what does it mean to refuse that way right what does it look like to like to to refuse that and and like to not to not buy into it because it's just it's just that that is more more than it is about keeping one particular group of people on the bottom like the the system as it's designed is like you said it's let let's just have a system that devalues human life that mm-hmm. sees human life as expendable that sees humanity as only only good if it is useful right and as soon as it is useful we throw it out and we dispose of it if we deem it not useful right mm-hmm. or if it's getting in the way of something we'll just mm-hmm. wipe it out or put it on reservations you know what i mean like it's just what do you do like how, how do you resist that way yeah right it's you resist to buy into that and you say no right like human human life is 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 where the image of god has been stamped and yeah. so to resist the empire is to continue to value the image of god right, right? And to, to 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 work toward being able to see all of humanity, and it's not even. And here's the thing too: when we have this conversation, and I'm not even to get us off on a whole other thing, but I think it's all <laughs> I think it's all connected. But like the same way that that whiteness, and we talk about whiteness as that way of being in the world, that power, uh, that the same way that whiteness treats human life and black bodies is the same way that whiteness treats creation. Right, that it is, you know what I mean. That it, it, it's disposable. That it's we'll use it up and we'll throw it out, and who cares, right? And it's like, man, this is this is not the way to be human. This is not the way. Yeah. And so, um, and I think all of creation is groaning because of it. Yeah. Um, and as a just book plug for the sake of if you're listening to this this long and concerned with these issues and you're, <laughs> and you're white especially if you're white 
get James Cone crossing it and the lynching tree because it is one of the most prophetic books to white Christianity um, and its inability in America to see Christ in the face of the man on the on the tree um, in this immediate circumstance to see Christ in the face of the people recently murdered there's too many to name all the fact that we can say there's too many to name that each one of those faces is the face of Christ and with the police shootings executed by the state they're just not as elaborate of crosses um, that that would be one to engage with oh, definitely um, definitely we'll, we'll call for the sake of time we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half here uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but this has been a, it's been a beautiful conversation, man. And, but uh, one thing though, Drew, and I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. Um, yeah, is that you're also you're also uh, like for me at least, you're also a very profound poet. Um, and, and I would love for you to be able to share uh, just a, you know something that you've written um, as you've reflected on this time with us. I don't know if you have something that you could you could pick up right now and share with us. But I would love to give you that space, and and if you don't want to, like, feel, like, don't feel super pressured. Just feel a little bit pressured. Oh, no, good. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, I yeah, let me let me share. Hmm. I'm gonna share two quick ones. Yeah, for sure. That'll that'll kind of map onto our conversation. The first one I'll share is called. It's just called Breathe, and I wrote it um, just reflecting on the murder of George Floyd and all of that. So, all we want is to breathe without knees on necks and arms that are flexed in a chokehold. All we want is to breathe without the boots of the boys in blue crushing airways that we inhale through. All we want is to breathe the beautiful oxygen that was placed in our lungs back in Genesis 2. All we want is to breathe and to be that for which we were created, a reflection of deity without being suffocated by your supremacy. Mm, That's beautiful, man. And I'll read this one. Um, That's called My Hope and My Labor. So we're talking about hope, right? Yeah. (laughs) Says, wake me up from this nightmare that some call a dream. America the beautiful or America the brutal? Only one can exist, the other is illusion. A figment of imagination created by Macmillan textbooks to keep us hooked on this drug that numbs to reality but I will look to another land that's been promised, not by pilgrims, but by prophets, where justice flows and righteousness rolls like thunder. Understand that this is my hope and that for which I labor, a land where the double love of God and neighbor is the law by which all citizens abide. In this land, my blackness is no punishable crime. Hmm. Well, you can't see me, but there's uh, snaps happening right now. Man, dude, I appreciate I appreciate you, man. I appreciate uh, your poetry and your words and just the wisdom and and just um, even the experience that you shared with us today, man. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, just deeply uh, grateful that you were able to join us in this conversation. 
and uh, sincere in our in our in our invitation that we would love to do this again with you. And and I would, yeah, we would absolutely, love to, we would, yeah, we would love to pick up on the conversation, even the question that uh, Glenn offered up that we weren't able to get to yeah. just because of time. But um, with that, uh, like, where are some ways? What are some ways that people can connect with you, um, especially you know around what you, the work that you do as a pastor, and but also the work that you do um, as a poet. Yeah, I mean, I guess the best way is just uh, Instagram. <laughs> Probably the best way. Um, so for so for the poetry, uh, you can just if you follow uh, Poetics, That's where I just been posting, I'm putting up poetry reflections, and um, my my Instagram, my personal Instagram is Drew J eleven twenty three. And uh, our church is this Hope East Village, right. so I mean those are those are the places if you want to connect, um, for sure. Right, man. And again, man, thank you for for being present with us today, man. It's been such a yeah. blessing, such a blessing. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, with as always, uh, if you want to connect more with FOS, um, you can always find us at www.fos.church. That's www.fos.church. And there's just a whole bunch of ways there for you to connect with us. You can find our socials, you can find the podcast, you can find our um, just ways to, you know, different gatherings that we have online and things like that. Uh, but we would love for you to be able to just continue to join in with the conversation. All right, mm -hmm. with that, peace. <laughs>